Um, no. What? No, the nuh uh. What? 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 Did you just see my phone? No. Literally, my hand was right here. I was writing out our skeleton notes for the podcast. Uh huh. And it just like scrolled. And no. nobody was anywhere near. It no, totally it did. You hit I that with your hand. I swear to you, it did. No, I did not. My wrist was here, and my hand was holding the pen on the notes. Shit. Right? Oh, my God. Are we recording? Ooh. Oh, shit. Yeah, we are. <laughs> did you like your totally <laughs> casual intro? That actually did just happen, though, you guys. Like, Seriously. I was writing out our, our notes, and for whatever reason, my phone just, like, took a scroll who knows? Do we have spirits here with us? I, I don't know, honey. If we do, I'd just like them to stay hidden, baby. You can hang out. Just well, girl, don't let me see you or hear you. You the one that gets to go to your own home. I have to stay here by myself. No, but see, I have to go out into the darkness, into the cover of night, to get to my home, honey. I'm always scared that something's going to come out from behind the stairs below your apartment, and that I'm just going to be brutally murdered. No. By whatever ghost or demon or entity we were talking about on the podcast that night well well hello oh <laughs> yes oh you're here you are here hi hi guys this is the haunted heart podcast the haunted heart podcast home oh my god kenny's cat just jumped oh up on the god. table there is too many crazy things he's never done on. that in four whole episodes he's never done that get he's down. a big cat too get down Right. I got we got doors opening up in here. We got bones We've scrolling. Got bones we got scrolling. cats jumping, which actually isn't that supernatural, other than that he's a black cat. I mean um, But that's discrimination. So anyway. Today we're talking about voodoo. Uh-huh. New which Orleans. is especially exciting because I just got back from New Orleans yes. not too long ago. One of our favorite places. Definitely one of my most favorite places favorite places ever yes. we actually got the chance i the past time that i went um recently um kenny was not with me but the first time we actually both went to new orleans we went together um which was about three years ago yeah it was something like that was yeah. that your first time too yeah that was my first so time. it was our first time mm-hmm. together yeah our first our first time was together oh how sweet do you mm. remember the food I do. I do remember. Oh, my God. We had... I had um, alligator jambalaya. And I literally cried. I I wept openly at the restaurant because it was just so good. It had fried frog legs on top. (laughs) And the legs were, like, open, too. So it was just, like, this seductive frog was, like, welcoming me into the dish to just take what I want. I kept a picture of that, and I still talk about it to this day. It's beautiful. It is. It is. It's very rare that food can make me cry, but I mean, food makes me cry and, more than boys make me cry. Mm-hmm. So, and we had uh, there was the really plush like leather armchairs that you yes, could sit in. That was that Jack's was Brewery. Amazing. If anybody is like near the New Orleans area or is looking to go there. Um, Jack's Brewery is a really good place to eat. Esoterica is a really, really, really cool um, magic shop. They're very chill. Um, there's a really cool crystal shop that I can't remember the name of, but if you Google crystal shop New Orleans, you'll find it. Um, there's a Halloween shop there, too. Don't go there because it's actually a sex shop. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> I found that out the I mean, hard way. Or go there. Or go Whatever there. Whatever you're into, just be prepared. I'm just right? saying, you were labeling yourself as a Halloween store. You right. walk in, and there's a 10-inch uh, dildo standing right there. I mean, it's face. all in how you celebrate Halloween. Honey. You know? I'm just saying. This is the travel podcast. Um, (laughs) We're just here to give you travel recommendations. That's what we're about. Um, But there's something about the city that is just, I was personally really drawn to it. Like, the energy, I just almost sort of felt like I had been there before, in a sense, or that I had sort of like, I don't know, I just felt a a connection. Um, I absolutely loved the cemeteries. Going mm-hmm. to visit Lafayette Cemetery. That was one of my favorite parts. Was going um, to visit Lafayette Cemetery. And I just, I, I don't know, recommended. I, I just, I felt the, I felt the connection mm-hmm. uh, to the city, which was um, mm-hmm. really unexpected because I'm not somebody who likes the heat. I hate humidity. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not about that life at all. And the whole time there, I was not bothered. Yeah. Long pants. I had on multiple layers. Yeah. I was still a hot, sweaty-ass mess, but I don't know, something <laughs> it about just it just, just didn't bother me like it does yeah. up here. That's how I feel about Savannah, though. I, I think that my, like, haunted city of choice is probably... I mean, I love New Orleans, don't get me wrong. I'll go at any opportunity. But I have this deep connection with Savannah, Georgia that just is inexplicable. I've seen... Every time I go to Savannah, I see ghosts. Um... I think in our past life, I lived in New Orleans, and you lived in Savannah. And we and took we... the train to meet each other. Yes, we did. Until General Sherman destroyed it because, <laughs> you know, the Union and all that. Yeah. I'm not bitter. You're not? Not even not even a little bit. No, not, not a little bit? Okay. No, I'm not. That. I'm definitely not that person. Um, no, so, but, but I could totally see... Uh, but, w- yeah, totally love it. Um, and so we're, we're sort of talking uh, about... You guys uh, might wonder why we're just... Disca- oh, did we already tell them that the topic is voodoo? Yeah. Okay. I wish we hadn't. I wish we had just been talking about New Orleans for 10 minutes <laughs> with no explanation. We're just, we're just giving you guys travel tips. Just on, travel tips. Oh, surprise. I wish we hadn't told this them. We should edit that. Except we never edit anything. No, 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 no. That's against the rules. Because we don't have skills. I could because edit it. We but are a trash talent. Not to. No, I don't know. Well, and I mean, you really can't talk about New Orleans without talking about voodoo. You mm-hmm. know, uh, it's and there's so many different forms of voodoo. I mean, you've, you've yes, got, we should mention that New Orleans is not the only form, and we are aware of that. You don't have to tell us that. Yeah. We, we know about African voodoo. We know about Haitian voodoo in particular. And, and we may actually reference Haitian voodoo a little bit, um, particularly on, in my segment. Uh, but we're specifically choosing to focus on New Orleans voodoo. Yeah, I mean, that's it's... Um, and it's, it's important to sort of clarify what voodoo is yes. and what it is not. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what you typically see portrayed... Uh, in movies and television um, isn't uh, the reality of most um, practices. Um, Voodoo is a monotheistic-based religion. Uh, It does combine uh, Native African traditions with Roman Catholicism. Um, And again, like we said, it's primarily practiced in places like Haiti, uh, New Orleans, uh, and even parts of the Caribbean. Uh, 
practitioners of voodoo often have very strong relationships um, with beings called loas, which are kind of like uh, these lesser spirits that uh, act as intermediaries between this world and the next. Um, practitioners will create altars and give offerings that relate to the specific loa that they are trying to contact um, in order to appease them and have their prayers answered. And, you know, often the sort of Hollywood machine, uh, so to speak. The uh, Hollywood the machine. Hollywood machine. Was that in quotes in your show notes? No, I want to know. Not. It was not. It should have been. It should have been in quotes and also italicized. Well, but they sort of spit out this very generic version of voodoo that really has, um, you know, voodoo dolls all wrong. Um, mm-hmm. uh, they talk about, you know, devil worship and just really other uh negative stereotypes yeah um and that negative you know stereotype really came from people uh observing these religious customs brought over by african slaves and you know as in typical fashion it was labeled evil because it was unknown right and then of course you know once we slapped that label on it and made it taboo we then began to subversely sensationalize it (laughs) yeah i mean that sounds about like white people man i mean it's kind of europeans bastards the, the caucasity of it all but what, oh my god oh my god i feel like that should be the show title the caucasity of it all did is that in your notes or did you come up with that on the no, no 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 i didn't come up with that on my own actually oh, I, god. I read that from uh, oh my god my heart is some broken. groups on facebook i didn't come I'm up so with upset. that I'm no so i cannot upset. claiming that as my own would be the be caucasity of it all it would be it would be the ultimate but it is most definitely not um, well, from what I know about voodoo, it, it my understanding is that it's kind of like candomblé, which is an Afro-Brazilian re- religion, um, where you there were these African people who had had you know generation upon generation upon generation of their own religion, and then they were transplanted viciously. I don't like mm-hmm. to see they they came over because i mean it wasn't like they bought a ticket for a vacation and just popped over to the new world it was fucking awful and horrible and an atrocity so they didn't come over when they were forced over um you know the the european um slave traders kind of forced everybody to become christian and at that time catholicism was the dominant um mode of christianity and so what i have always thought is really that's really interesting about voodoo and other kind of afro-christian religions is that in order to preserve the religion that they had in their home country they kind of took the catholic saints you know in catholicism there's god and then there's these saints that are under god and each saint kind of has a different thing that they're like into that they do Mm -hmm. like saint christopher is Mm -hmm. the patron saint of travelers are you wowed did i wow you with that information that's the only one i know wow level four i don't know about i wanted to sound intelligent so i gave an example but that is literally the only saint that i know what it does because i grew up baptist southern baptist and honey we couldn't remember all them saints we was just trying to dance um (laughs) Actually, in the sidebar, sidebar, to the sidebar, um, in the Baptist church that I grew up in, the reason we stopped going is because the preacher had an affair with the secretary. So, anyway, hot gossip from 1992. Anyway, um, 
what was I saying? Oh, yes. So the way that um, these transplanted Africans would kind of keep their own religion going is they would they would adopt they would say okay you want us to adopt your christian god we adopt your christian god and he's the main god and then we have all these intermediaries and they would they would make these kind of um icons that looked like the saints right Mm -hmm. and they would worship them but they would really be worshiping their ancestral gods from you know wherever they were from and in that way they really kind of succeeded at masking their own religion and keeping their own you know I guess ancestral practice is alive for generations and generations. Yeah, very true. I mean, it's still alive today, which is which is really a crazy, insane accomplishment. Yeah, so. definitely. So those two things are often laid on top of each other, which is cool. Yeah, and it's um, and you know, being that neither one of us are practitioners. Yes, we of should. Voodoo, we should. Yes. Um, I just want to, you know, sort of preface our whole conversation this evening just by stating that you know any research you find. Uh, typically really only scratches the surface and Mm -hmm. there are a lot of secrets and things that are generally not shared with Mm -hmm. non-practitioners and as with most religions this is definitely a very serious subject for a lot of people um, and you know none of this should be taken lightly and should totally 100% always be respected. Exactly so everything that we say we say with respect just like you know other not like every other topic that we cover because every other topic that we cover isn't necessarily a religion but anything that we say any joke that we make all of it is made with love all of it is made with respect we don't want to step on anybody's toes we totally respect um voodoo we totally respect the practitioners i have a friend who is like a sixth generation voodoo priestess she actually lives in new orleans she's awesome um, she couldn't come on this episode. Kenny's oh, really no. mad at me. I'm mad now. <laughs> I know. It would have been really cool if she could have come on this episode, but she she wasn't able. So, Well, damn. I know. But she's amazing. And so I have a huge respect for, you know, the whole, the whole topic. So any fun that we have from here on out, please don't hold against us. True. Good? Yeah. Good. So with that said... Um, Two elements Kenny was mentioning how, um, you know, the dolls in particular are a symbol of voodoo that kind of is um, perpetrated, it's kind of taken out of its original context and and mistranslated on screen a lot. Yeah, so sort of tell me, because that's the one thing that I'm really, I'm really curious about. Like, from what, you know, I've researched, a lot of it is not, um, you know, how obviously it's not as it's portrayed on TV, so... For me, I'm kind of curious as to where, like, where the confusion happened or where, you know what I mean? Like, what, Mm -hmm. why do we have these misconceptions? Yeah. Well, it's very similar, actually. Um, It's very similar to the way that people misinterpret magic. A lot of the times, um, people think that magic is, okay, if I get you know, this candle and I get this specific herb and I get this other specific herb and I put them all together, then some, you know, magical being is going to make me get this job or make me get this guy or, and that's not the way that magic works at all. Um, Magic is about intention. Um, And voodoo is very, very similar. Um, In fact, if you look at a lot of different religions, it really boils down to intentions. 
Um, Even praying to God, like, yeah, you know, it's essentially, absolutely. you know, it, there's similarities. Mm-hmm. Praying, yoga, magic, voodoo. There's all of these, um, all of these things kind of center around setting an intention for yourself and releasing that into the universe. And the dolls are sort of a conduit for that. So instead of what you usually see, most people's concept of voodoo dolls are, I, I make a voodoo doll um, that looks like a little person, and then I have a, Kenny's playing with this voodoo, like little voodoo keychain She got doll me from that, New Orleans. Yes. I'm sticking pins in it. Uh, looking at her. And jingling it. <laughs> which I'm sure is fun for everybody at home. Anyway, um, so you make a, you make a voodoo doll, um, it looks like this other person or has a lock of hair from that person or something personal from that person. And then, you know, if you stab it with a pin, then that person gets a pain or whatever. Everybody knows that trope um, that we've seen so many times in Hollywood. It doesn't actually work that way. Really? The voodoo doll is not supposed to be the person and it's not connected to the person in the sense that if I set the doll on fire, the person will suddenly become very hot or very flushed um, or burst into flame. The voodoo doll is more a way of focusing your intentions. So it's focusing the intentions of the practitioner onto this doll, which is has some either photo of the person. A lot of times it's just a photo of the person. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe a lock of hair. And you're just focusing your intentions on what you want to happen to that person on that doll, and that serves as a conduit to open the gods up to bring whatever it is that you want to bring to that person. So if you're trying to bring that person wealth, you may clip a dollar or something to the doll, and then you focus your intentions on the doll. And in doing that, you're communicating with the gods and kind of opening the gods up to bring that upon this person. Mm -hmm. And most of the time it's good things. It's health, it's wealth, it's happiness. It's not, it's rare, more, much more rare that it's something dark. Right. Um, that's kind of something that, that's kind of part of that demonizing that I think Hollywood has done. Um, not to say that it couldn't be. So the doll is kind of a metaphor. Um, the other thing that is a big part of the voodoo culture, um, that we see portrayed in film is the voodoo zombie. Ooh. Oh. I remember that episode of American Horror Story. Yes. Kevin. Yes. The voodoo Where zombies. Marie Laveau, like does her little crazy thing and mm-hmm. you know, she sort of rises up and then she takes control of the zombies. Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, I just want to say, Angela Bassett is Marie Laveau. Such a perfect casting. choice. Can I just kiss that casting director? Such a fantastic choice. She's amazing. But that's not how that really happens? No. It's, that, that's disappointing. Surprisingly not. That's <laughs> Sorry to ruin your dis- disbelief. Damn it. So, zombie, Z-O-M-B-I is also another name of the voodoo snake god. I'm sorry if I mispronounce anything in this episode. My apologies. Zombie's another name for the voodoo snake god, um, Dambala Wedo. Dambala. Mm-hmm. Dambala Wedo of the Niger Congo region. Side note, that is uh, one thing that I connected was, uh, if you've ever seen Child's Play or Chucky, yeah. when he's using voodoo to mm-hmm. uh, get his soul into the other, into the doll, Part of his words is "ale due dambula," and you know. Huh, interesting. Yeah, so because uh, I was Wonder researching that too, and so I like just connected the two between huh. between that. So interesting. Cool. Side note. Sidebar. Yeah. Um, 
Yes, so that's kind of where that word came in. Um, and there's actually quite a bit of, of interest, I guess, in this particular topic. Going all the way back to 1937, um, while she was researching folklore in Haiti, Zora Neale Hurston, famous African-American writer, um, encountered the case of Felicia Felix Mentor, who had died and then been buried in 1907 at the age of 29. Felicia. Felicia, yes, yes. So villagers believe that they saw Felicia wandering the streets. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm Are you so trying sorry. to figure that out how awful. to make a by Felicia joke? <laughs> they saw her wandering down the streets. I'm sorry. Here's where we go. Here's where I'm in the I'm in the wrong. Here's where I get all the hate mail. Are but. you trying to figure out how to make a by Felicia I joke? Was like, to. I just couldn't laugh because they saw her walking the street. Bye, Felicia. Sorry. Bye. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, my God. Damn it. Oh, my God. I'm sorry. We, hmm. Should we cut the episode? I accept <laughs> any and all hate mail that comes my way. All right. So, Miss Felix Mentor, seeing as how we can't deal with it, uh, they believe that they saw her wandering the streets in a daze 30 years after her death, as well as claiming the same situation with several other people. Zornil Hurston um, pursued rumors that affected people were given powerful drugs, but she was unable to locate individuals who were willing to offer her much information. Kind of like what Kenny was talking about. You know, it's it's very hush hush. It's very um, internal. It's mm-hmm. not a. It's not something that you talk about outside of your right. Community. I always, I'm always skeptical if somebody is talking really loudly as a voodoo practitioner. I'm always skeptical as to how legit they are because it's kind of one of those things where, like, if you are legit, you don't talk about it. Right. And so, you know, you should always be skeptical of people who are talking loudly about things like this. But, um, so that was kind of the beginning with Zora Neale Hurston's, um, investigation in 1937 but then um a couple decades later in the 80s wade davis who was actually a canadian ethnobotanist ethnobotanist he he went to haiti very smart guy he went to haiti and um ended up writing several books he wrote the serpent and the rainbow which is a really uh, popular book on voodoo um and the practice it's uh it's actually sold in almost every witchcraft store in New Orleans. That's a, it's, it's a movie, too, if I'm not mistaken. I think they did make up like a an movie. Old, that's an old movie, I believe. Yeah. I think my grandmother used to actually have a recording of it. Yeah. Stacked right beneath the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. There you in go. her movie collection. <laughs> Eclectic. Yeah. Um, so, so he wrote The Serpent in the Rainbow, and Wade Davis, our boy, also wrote Passage of Darkness, The Ethnobiology of the Haitian Zombie. And basically, he traveled to Haiti in the early 80s in 1982, and he carried out some investigations, and he met Max, I'm sorry if I say this name wrong, Max Beauvoir, Beauvoir, who was, um, he claimed to be the Pope of Voodoo. Mm. Yes. And he was Haitian. Again, we're in Haiti, not in New Orleans. Um, So, Davis kind of studied this guy. Um, and I think this guy actually opened up to him quite a bit. And as a result of these investigations, Davis claimed that a living person can be turned into a zombie by a special powder that's entered, uh, that enters into the bloodstream, usually via a wound. So in French, it's called coup de, coup de poudre? Poudre? Coup de padre? Coup de padre? I don't know. I don't it's know. not padre, because that's daddy. 
I know. <laughs> that's something different. That's a different kind of entering that's into the bloodstream zombie there. Zombie zaddy. Zombie zaddy. <laughs> no. So coup de poudre is what we're going to call it. Um, basically, in English, it means powder strike. And basically, this is a powder that would enter in via a wound, and it would cause this death-like state because of tetrodotoxin. Um, which is the key in, ingredient in this in this powder, and this toxin is the same thing that's found in Japanese pufferfish. Mm. So it's like this poison that's um, secreted by the pufferfish that they would then use to kind of induce this death-like state. And once in this death-like state, um, you would suffer brain damage because you would your breathing would become very shallow, your pulse would become almost non-existent. Um, you you would, for all intents and purposes, seem dead. Um, especially in an era before we have machines that can monitor like pulse rates and oxygen right. levels and things like that. So basically, you would this poison would get into your body, into your bloodstream. You would, for all intents and purposes, appear dead. Your family would bury you. They would mourn you. They would say lovely, beautiful things about you. And then behind your back, they would say all the terrible shit that irritated <laughs> them about you. Um, and why they're secretly glad that you're gone. And then um, a day or maybe later e- on that evening, the practitioner who had slipped you the poison would come back out. And they'd dig you up because they know you're not dead. And they'd carry you home. And they'd wait for you to come out of that death-like state, at which point you would be severely brain damaged. Um, your motor cord, this particular tetrodotoxin, attacks the motor um, part of your brain, the part of your brain that controls your motor cortex. There you okay. go. Okay, yep, there Speak we go. Speak like a scientist, Caitlin. Speak like you read the Wikipedia article. Um, basically, tetrodotoxin affects your motor cortex and also the part of your brain that controls speech. So you're not moving very well. You're very jerky. You're very slow. You can't speak. You sound like... So you can kind of see, if you're imagining in your head, how you could get a zombie out of that. If you think of our modern, you know, cultural um, definition of a zombie, you can kind of see the similarities. Um, And, you know, some people say that the voodoo practitioner would dig these people up and then they would keep them as servants in their house and then whenever they were tired of them, they'd just release them onto the streets. There's supposedly three confirmed sightings of voodoo zombies in New Orleans. I take all of that stuff with a grain of salt. Just because, again, I think the people who are sophisticated enough to be practicing high-level voodoo are, are not going to do something like that for right. reasons that we'll kind of get into later to do with kind of a karmic sense of justice and things like that. But right. that is where the myth of the zombie came from. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I think um, it sort of makes sense in a way how you sort of have people who are witnessing these things and then sort of just glaze over, you know, what's really going on and then just sort of, you know, puts their own spin on it. Or, you know, if you're trying to get people to... Um, Obviously, if you're trying to get people to uh, convert to Christianity or whatever, you know, and if that's your, you know, you know if that's what you're trying to do, then obviously you're going to take these things, spin them. Right. You're going to be a spin doctor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and make them into something else. Right. Um, so that's why you sort of get those 
or I see now, that's why you sort of get, like, these voodoo dolls, which, you know, supposedly right. um, inflict pain, and then you have the zombies and all of this other stuff. It's just, in general, a gross simplification, which is the same thing that happens with other religions, and it happens with magic all the time. Of Specifically, the voodoo dolls is irritating because it's, it's a totem. It's just something that's supposed to focus your intention and allow you... Because I, I truly, and I believe this... Um, I truly believe that you can change your own reality with the force of your intention. Mm. If you can focus your thoughts and your mind and all of your power of will on an intention, then I truly believe that you can make things happen for yourself and you can you can alter your reality. Um, it's a really interesting theory called chaos magic. We don't have time to get into it now. Maybe we could do an episode on it one day. It's really Maybe cool. Um, but yeah, it, so it's it has to do with that, and because that is so very complicated, it doesn't exactly translate to the screen very well. Somebody right. just sitting in front of a bag of rice with a photo pinned to it, focusing for hours at a time, it's not necessarily <laughs> the most thrilling cinema. Right. So that's kind of how things get dumbed down and actioned up but yeah well makes sense um so sort of segueing from zombies um i kind of uh was in researching i was very interested in um the spiritual aspect um of voodoo so uh, like I mentioned previously, uh, voodoo has um, the spirits, which are called loas, um, and they're divided into families, mm. um, which uh, means that each family sort of retains very similar attributes with each other. Um, so, for example, you have the, the rada loas, which are considered to be very old, ancient, um, generally very peaceful. They tend to come from... Um, from the older African sort of uh, religions. Um, mm-hmm. And they're labeled mostly as not necessarily good spirits, but cool. Yeah. It's labeled, they, it's, it's not so much as um, like good and evil. It's very much sort of cool to hot. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because that you're a cool spirit doesn't mean that you can't a practitioner can't use them to do a bad intention. Yeah, I you read I mean? about that. That it's not necessarily black and white. It's more like I know the um, darker magic, if you want to call it that. Um, the more evil intention magic is sometimes called red magic. And mm-hmm. when a practitioner takes like a like a more evil spirit into them or a, a more Maybe it's if they take a spirit, spirit into them with evil intention. Maybe it's the practitioner's evil intention and they take that spirit in. Their eyes will go red. That's a thing. And that the practitioner's main goal is to keep the red magic from happening in the first place because it throws off the balance. Yeah, and so you can sort of use that. Um, but you can sort of use those more hot-tempered uh, spirits to do good. It really just sort of depends on how you're you're right. using it and how you're yeah. invoking them. Yeah. Um, but those sort of red spirits um, are called the Petro Loas. Uh, and they are considerably more aggressive. Um, they have roots in slavery. Uh, mm. So 
uh, specifically within the New World. So that sort of manifested these very violent spirits. So that's why mm-hmm. they are sort of angry, very um, aggressive. Um, you tend to have a lot of... Um, tends to be a lot of uh, references to war, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and then you have the uh, Gede Loa, uh, which are the spirits of the dead. Uh, and where you would probably find me if I ever became one. Because <laughs> um, there are some beliefs that um, say that anybody can become a Gede. Mm-hmm. Um, or a form of it. It's not... A lot of people in voodoo don't necessarily like to use labels because you can have some spirits that are both a Rada Loa and then they also may have a Petra Loa form as well. Mm. So um, mm-hmm. labels aren't really important. Right. Um, but if any human that was alive and died but their spirits were kept close to the living world then that is essentially a Gede. Hmm. So, you so know, it's kind of like a... I mean, in a different context, it's kind of like a ghost with unfinished business. Sort of, or it's like, like it could be your brother, it could be, you know, your mother, anybody, anytime that you're using a spirit uh, or a human spirit um, in your working, that person could be considered a Gede. Hmm. So, interesting. Um, they're, but what's interesting about them is, you know, they're not necessarily, they're not cool, they're not necessarily hot. Um, from what I, from what I've gathered, they seem to sort of be in the middle. Do they retain um, much of the personality of the person who they were when they were alive, or is it kind of like a different entity? I want to say so. Yeah, um, like because that could be why they're neither cool nor hot, because it depends on how the person. The thing was. with the Gede is that they've been human before, so right. they are kind of done. At that point, they're kind of done with, like, the rules of what you and I live by. Um, so they tend to be very, uh, very loud spirits, very crude, uh, sexual. Am I a Gede? Like, now? <laughs> I'm wondering. Maybe. Am I? Um, but they're usually... Because sounding familiar. Yeah. But they're usually viewed as a lot of fun. Yeah. Essentially. Cool. They're very fun spirits. They're... Serious when it comes to their business, mm-hmm. but like I said, but also serious when it comes, comes to, to they party. To a party, they yeah. like their party. They like their drink. A lot of their offerings you'll it. see involve rum, cigars, oh, cool. um, different things like that. They enjoy those. They're things. the big Lebowski spirits. <laughs> um, and Baron uh, Samdi is considered to be the main spirit uh, over the Gede. Um, and he's kind of a really cool guy, too. Um, he's kind of a walking contradiction, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, he rules over sex and death. Uh, hmm. He loves a party, but also enjoys his solitude. He has a very dirty sense of humor. You know, he <laughs> kind of sounds... Like, I'm sorry to relate it to, like, typical, like, roots of white culture, but he kind of sounds like Dionysus, or Bacchus, the Greek god of wine. Mm-hmm. Like, the party god? Yeah. He, that's kind of who this puts me in mind of. It's interesting, the parallels. Yeah. Um, he definitely is there to have a good time, but he also tells us that the dead are to be honored and respected, especially mm-hmm. our ancestors. He's sort of like, any time that you are trying to contact the spirit world, you have to go through Papa Legba. 
Yeah. So he's sort of like the gatekeeper, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the Baron is sort of considered his opposite. So the Baron allows you contact to the dead. Um, whereas Papa Legba sort of opens up the door to the Loas, Baron mm-hmm. opens the door to your ancestors and your spirits and and the dead and that sort of thing. That's interesting Um, because I've never heard of him really. Of course I've heard of Papa Legba. And at the crossroads and And everybody has, but yeah. Um, Oh, is he the crossroads guy? Papa Legba is like who you would typically see at the crossroads. Right, exactly. But this Baron guy I've never... So is the Baron too. Interesting. But... um, He seems much more chill. I'd rather deal with him, I think. He's... Um, yeah, so he typically appears as a man with a top hat. You may have seen a lot of his, um, uh, a lot of people portray him because when you yeah. typically think of your standard like voodoo costume, top hats, skull makeup, a lot of that's referencing him, mm-hmm. the Baron. Um, he likes purple and black as colors. Oh, nice. Um, Good choice of colors. (laughs) My two favorites. Um, But he's also seen, like, if he comes in and he's wearing white, then he's in an elegant mood. If it's black, um, he's Mm -hmm. being reverent. And, honey, if he is red, then he is horny. Really? If he comes to to you in a red suit, he is horny, honey. Interesting. But. Kind of like that scene in Phantom of the Opera when Phantom comes down in his red suit. Um, What an obscure reference. Yeah. That one was for my mother. But on the opposite side, he's actually, um, he is sort of a protector over um, children. Uh, He's very, very... uh, This guy has a lot of... A lot going on. He does. He's he's horny. He's protecting children. Yes. He's about a party, but he's also about respecting the dead. Yeah. He seems like very well rounded. Yeah, he is. He's he's pretty well rounded. He's kind of like the me well, of of spiritual leaders. The thing is with ghosts. the whole the children aspect is he's the lord. Gods. He's I guess sort I of say gods. He's the lord over the dead, right? And so if. If the Baron does not dig your grave, you won't die. Huh. So he is the one that's in charge of bringing your soul over, uh-huh. digging your grave, so that that's your soul can come That's interesting, because I know a lot of, like, in a lot of different religions, the gods are sort of elevated above acts that we would normally associate with humanity. Like digging a grave. Like, you would never think of a god as being the, the guy who digs the grave. That's well, that's kind of cool that he is so involved, you know? Yeah, it's it's because they're sort of subservient spirits to the one main god that Voodoo believes in, and their right. one main god, uh, Bondu, I believe is his name, um, is not... They He's considered to be so far gone from, like, the world and human interaction that right. you don't... Like, nobody has contact with him. Yeah. So that's why you have these Loas who sort of act as the intermediaries and do for those him. things yeah. for him. Um, but the whole thing about the children is is that he is sort of... He doesn't like people sort of going before their time. So a lot of the times mm-hmm. you'll see rituals where if children fall, like, deathly ill, mm-hmm. uh, people will invoke the Baron to sort of intercede because he does not... You know, he believes that you know, children have a long life to live, so right. he wants them to live that. So that's why he's, that's why a lot of people sort of uh, 
contact him to uh, help out in cases of like really sick children or things like that. That's so sweet. Yeah. I'm um, like, is he on Tinder? Like, he just seems <laughs> really sweet. He seems like we would get along. Yeah, he's very, interested like I said, in death, interested in partying, black, purple, maybe well, a little bit of red in uh-huh. there sometimes. Apparently, he's quoted as saying, though, his colors are purple and black, but apparently, he's quoted as saying that he's a little tired of the purple and black. <laughs> he's like, it's a little he's done. He's a little um, But if you're ever looking for him, you know, you can find him hanging out in cemeteries, um, deep caves, uh, hospitals. Um, you know what? Me and, too. And, and strip bars. <laughs> and strip clubs. There you go. So that's where you could often... Um, that's where you can often find him. So he was a... Character. Yeah, he was a really... Um, he was a really cool character. Or, um, uh, he was a really cool spirit. Um, but I, you know, he's also still very powerful. So that's something definitely yes. to point out. He's yes. very, I have read that if you piss him off, like he has the power to literally, like when you hear of, uh, generational curses, mm, it's because him. of him. Wow. So if you like legit piss him off. He's not only going to come for you. He's going to come for you. He's going to come for your children, your family. Wow. Or forever. So. I just want to say, no jokes that I make are out of disrespect. Like, I think no. he is really... I mean, seriously, in the... I've studied a lot of mythology, and I've studied a lot of different belief systems and different gods and goddesses and things like that. And he sounds really cool. I think it's... I think that's a really cool way of looking at life is juxtaposing things like parties and celebrations and things that we would generally associate with life with death and kind of in the juxtaposition seeing what is meaningful about the human experience this is we're going deep on the video episode and sex sex, especially now what i thought was really funny from this research was that uh the information that i'm pulling which is from this website um called tribe of the sun.com uh, the, he's quoted, um, you know, this person asked him, uh, one day, uh, how can you be baron of the, you know, or lord of, over sex and death at the same time? And I mean, he is quoted as saying, good sex is the closest to death the living can get without crossing over. <laughs> I agree. So that sort of gives you some this insight to like about... is, like, speaking to me. Like, he is so cool. Well, I have often, to, like, go um, read about him. I'm going to just spend the whole rest of the podcast talking about when him. He, <laughs> when he, um, when he, quote-unquote, rides people, and I'm not talking about, I'm talking about possession. Oh. Um, is he wearing a red suit? It's funny because he <laughs> often um, will gravitate towards people that are very modest. Interesting. Specifically... It was noted very clearly, um, white, modest people. Like, because there's sort of like that sense of... um, Propriety. Yes. And And so... That's cool. He really likes... That's sort of where he gets that sort of, like, devilishly little, like... It's funny. Funny. It's funny. So he's going into you, and he will often pick that person who is typically very modest and, like dance very sexually like smoke like that person hilarious the person who is completely like you know i'm not drinking i'm not smoking they'll be over there you know smoking drinking and like humping up against somebody so (laughs) 
That's awesome. He yeah, sounds, he was he a really cool character. He was a really cool character. And another reason why I liked him is that his feast day is November 1st. Mm. So, you know, the day after Halloween. Okay, okay. Um, November 1st and or the 2nd. So the Day of the Dead. So he's sort of That's about cool. That That's interesting that it's the same. Like, it's, it happens to be, like, they're god of or not god i keep saying god but i mean spirit their spirit of death would be on the same day as dia de los muertos like that's and also like halloween totally different cultures yeah very Um, cool how that stuff comes together and if you ever want to really make him happy you can offer him a big fat cigar you know he loves some red meat there you go he sounds like you. Peppered bacon. He likes some <laughs> toasted coconut flakes, pecans. Toasted, wait, 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 toasted. wait. Toasted. Toasted coconut flakes. Uh-huh. Is he paleo? He sounds like he might be paleo, girl. <laughs> he like oh, and he also Meat likes... Meat and coconut flakes? Yep. Meat, coconut flakes. He likes uh, peppered bacon, black licorice, uh, and strong black coffee with no sugar. I like him. Also avocados. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think he's paleo. He might be. I think he's on that paleo life. He might be. Um, and you might see animals that are associated with him. Uh, vultures. Uh-huh. Uh, centipedes. Interesting. Wolves. Um, and black widows. I like all those things except for centipedes. Centipedes scare the shit out of me. I could deal with the vultures. Centipedes scare the piss out of me. Yeah. But that's a little bit about the Baron. He's he was a really cool guy. I, like I him. sort of uh, liked him a lot. He's very cool. So. Right. So. One element. So you you hear a lot whenever you're studying voodoo. Um. You. Inevitably, will hear the word hoodoo thrown around, mm, right? Mm-hmm. Traditionally, hoodoo is defined as bad voodoo or evil voodoo um and i'm not really here to get into a debate between you know hoodoo voodoo all that um but there is one particular practice that i found really interesting um that is kind of associated with hoodoo with darker voodoo um and it's the process of sin eating sin eating yes it sounds very dark um, sin eating is not actually specific to voodoo, though. Um, it's something that's been seen in old Jewish customs as well as in Scotland pagan cultures. Sounds like Jesus, if you ask me. As well <laughs> as well as very early Christianity, so it was also um, it was also present there. And this is basically the process of um, somebody dies, obviously, and then their corpse is laid out, and the sin eater will then have a meal on the corpse oh so they'll lay out bread or wine or you know some some places it's like a full course meal in some cultures um and you full course meal four course meal i think that's what i was (laughs) going with that but anyway some places it's just bread and wine some places it's like actually like a full like meal um and they eat it off of the dead body and this is supposed to kind of um show the sin eater consuming the dead person's sin, thereby freeing him or her to go off into their afterlife. Um, and it's, it's included in the, in the voodoo culture. And the practice nowadays has been 
um, abandoned by the more mainstream religions like Christianity. We don't really see that anymore with Christianity, at least not the branches <laughs> I've seen. Sure, it still happens somewhere, but sure, roughly, roughly about 5%, this was in 2010, um, roughly about 5% of voodoo practitioners still also practice sin eating. Um, and because Hurricane Katrina displaced a lot of uh, famous many famous voodoo sin eaters of New Orleans, now you'll find a lot of them in Texas. I read about that, actually. Yes. There's actually a big voodoo community now spread out across Texas because of Katrina. And some really cool, uh, some really good restaurants, too, now that I've heard. A lot of the people came in and opened up some mm-hmm. really good, uh, you know, New Orleans-style Brought restaurants. some of that good know Yes, honey. honey. So, yeah, so, so this particular... Um, the king of all hoodoo voodoo sin eaters, um, Papa Jaxmano, he he lives in Dallas, Texas. And in 2010, he was 68, so that would make him now, like, 87? 76. 76. 87? <laughs> what? <laughs> what? That would make him 76 if he's still with us. I did some research, and I wasn't able to, to find out if he's still with us, so... Um, wishing him the best. He's seventy six, not eighty seven. Either way, um, but he he was he's an example of a sin eater. Um, so he ate. He started eating sins at the age of seven when his father suddenly died, and he had to eat his father's sins oh. so that his father would then be free to go into the afterlife. Because the the idea is that if if you don't have someone to eat your sins you're weighed down by that and you're not able to pass into the afterlife. Um, the Baron will not dig your grave. <laughs> I guess. I guess not. Um, so nowadays the practice of sin eating is sometimes actually this, and this was what was very interesting. So traditionally there's one person who is known as the sin eater. That's the one person in the village who eats the sins. And whenever somebody dies, you know, you call the sin eater and the sin eater lays out a meal on the dead body. Actually the family lays it out for the sin eater. And then the sin eater will eat, um, the sins of the dead person for a fee. And of course, the greater the sins, the larger the fee. Mm. And what was really cool about um, Papa Jaxmano, he actually was quoted as saying, you know, sometimes if they're very poor, he won't charge or he'll charge a handshake or he'll charge a ride somewhere um, to the okay. family. So so he seems like a pretty reasonable, guy. pretty cool guy. Yeah. Um, but there are, of course, other examples of hoodoo sin eaters who obviously charge an exorbitant fee and that's when you get into the theories of like the shadow man and things like that and um but anyway nowadays um the interesting part of this whole sin eating thing the practice of sin eating now is sometimes extended to all guests at a funeral so before the viewing of the body cakes and donuts or other confectionery treats are placed inside of the coffin with the dead person on the dead person's body okay prior to the viewing and then those same treats are then removed from the coffin, either before or after the viewing, and given out to guests to consume prior to the burial of the body. And sometimes these people know, and sometimes these people are not even aware that they are engaging in the practice of sin eating. Okay, I think there's consuming the dead some consent sins. involved here. I agree, <laughs> yes. But what's interesting is, you know, you and I are both from the South. Yes. And even further deep south, what's the thing that always happens when somebody dies, when there's a funeral? What does everybody do? Everybody eats. Everybody brings food. Yeah. Everybody eats. 
And so it's kind of interesting how, you know, you can explain that however you want to. You can say, you know, people are worried that you're not going to have enough food or whatever, or you're not going to feel up to cooking or you're going to be depressed. But I think it's very interesting that this, this practice of sin eating is in a lot of different cultures. And across the board, when someone dies, we engage in this sin eating to kind of help their spirit pass on. Mm-hmm. I think it's interesting that, only, that that's a big the cultural only, thing. Yeah, still, the yeah. only difference is, is with, you know, <laughs> these southern white families, you're going to get 27 casseroles. That's <laughs> like, true. That is get 27 all green bean thing. casseroles. Other, other places, I'm sure, have a lot of really, you know, more diverse uh, yeah. foods and probably some yeah. really good food, too. Yeah. Um, but, but just I, from my experience, everybody, they will bring you a casserole or some mac and cheese, which I'm yeah. not opposed to. But those are typically two things that I know, I've i noticed a lot. Casserole and mac and cheese. Yeah. So that's interesting. I think I think I want, I mean, it, it seems, it sounds really creepy, like the sin eating. Like, it sounded really creepy when I first started researching it. But now, like, having read about it, like, I'm cool with that. If you guys want to sin eat for me, that's cool. I mean, well, Lord knows, honey, I love eating. And so feel free to have you some, have you a meal on me, or wherever you I want to after I pass away. Probably not on me. I don't think a doctor would recommend it, but well, I'm so cool with I it. guess I think, it's, I think that's an interesting idea. I guess my question is, so if that person is taking on the sins, like what happens to them? Right. So it's kind of like this karmic thing sort of um i don't mean to make too many references to other religions but um the sin eater is said to be somebody who is a high enough level practitioner that they can kind of level out the sins of other people so they they actually can consume the sins and they take it on themselves um and from what it's it kind of there's not a really clear answer that i could find um to that to you know is this person just such a high level practitioner of voodoo that they can just do away with the sins or is it something that like they're taking that on their tab and then whenever they pass away they've got a mess of like yeah they'll have to debt essentially right is it is it like a situation where they're racking up spiritual debt or is it a situation where you know they're a practitioner who has a a place in society and the spirits even recognize that. And so when that person passes on, you know, they do, they become a spirit, you know, it's, it's kind of, that's when we get into the gray areas where I don't want to make too much speculation because I don't know. And probably the only people who do know ain't telling nobody. So, (laughs) which is cool. I would be interested to know, like, if that's more of like a debt that they're taking on, Mm -hmm. uh, does that, like, in the end, are they just condemning their own souls? Right. You know what I mean? Or um, or is it seen as... An honor. An honor or good. You know what in I mean? In the next so life. I, don't I, think, I think the... From what I read, the slant seemed to be that, like, in this life, it's kind of like a... Like, you don't mess with them. They're kind of edgy, darker, chaotic, neutral type people. Mm-hmm. But as far as with the afterlife, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm mm-hmm. not sure if it's them just taking on debt or if they're a high enough level of a practitioner that they can neutralize sin by eating it. Interesting. Yeah. I like how that you sort of talked about the, the way that that sort of translates to other 
uh, cultures and even like because when you first mentioned that like my, literally my first thought was you know the Christianity and you know mm-hmm. Jesus taking you know clearing everybody of their sins like mm-hmm. yeah would that like in in Christianity that's the Jesus would be the ultimate sin, sin eater because yeah. he ate it then and he's constantly eating them mm-hmm. now you know what I mean so mm-hmm. uh, it's interesting that there's sort of that juxtaposition between the two. Um, yeah. especially considering a lot of people from Christianity tend to have such negative reactions towards things. Uh, like towards voodoo. things. In, in <laughs> general. <laughs> yeah, I mean, towards the, <laughs> just towards things in general. But, yeah. no, towards, um, you know, towards things like voodoo or hoodoo or what have you. Yeah. There's a lot of, there's a lot of misunderstanding. But when you really get into researching things like this you'll see you'll see the weird i mean just in this episode the the different connections that were able to be made between christianity and voodoo and you know between the baron and um dionysus from the greeks you know it's kind of it's cool how those things juxtapose and and i really think that it does i mean it well, certainly links I, to my belief system that we're all just kind of, that our religions, if you put them all in a blender and blend them all up, you'll get the same thing out. Well, I just, I Which sort is of, that it's about intention and doing good things for your fellow man. I mean, I'm of the belief that, you know, you know, science at this point has pretty much concluded that, you know, we're all from the same sort of place, you know, mm-hmm. or if you would look at it like Africa being, you know, the mother continent, like mm-hmm. we all sort of came from that one local central, you know, that one central point. So, I don't know, my personal belief is, you know, you've have all these different extensions, but they all sort of base back to the center. That's why there's so many correlations yeah. between every one of them. I agree. Is because I think you if you take ideas from each one of them, you know, you, you could probably boil it down to one mm-hmm. idea. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of the basic elements are similar mm-hmm. across the board. If yeah. you if you really get down and strip all the biases and things. But anyway, now we're all going to get coexist bumper stickers for our cars <laughs> and we're going to put them on our on our hybrids. Yeah. And we're no. going to just I don't make own the a world hybrid. a better place. I don't own a hybrid. Me either. I own a, a shitty sports 2013 Cobalt. I have a sports car. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, that, I mean, that basically wraps up the Voodoo episode. I hope we got through it. I hope we didn't make too many terrible sweeping generalizations and offend people. That's not our goal. Our, our intention is to just kind of spark people's interest. And if you're interested in this stuff, research it. It, it can be hard to wade through a lot of the misconceptions that are out there, but... You know, it is a very, very cool religion, and we we have a lot of respect for it. All jokes aside, yeah. You know, um, definitely don't go into this. Like, I'm definitely not advocating anybody going into this looking up some sort of like rituals or whatever on the do internet. Do not and try and... voodoo. There is a reason that we didn't talk about specific voodoo rituals no. and go through all the details. No, no, no. That is not our story to tell because. Well, and, and then also if yours, you, unless you know about that stuff. Exactly, and also like if you, there are some spirits out there where if you literally, if you put the wrong color candle, they will fuck your life. Yeah, like it is that specific. If you like, open, my rule is, 
if you open a door, you could be trying to open the door to look through the door. Things can always come through the door that maybe you didn't necessarily intend to come through. So like you better... the flame, and I didn't even tell you guys about this. When I was researching this and I was talking, researching about those, uh, the angry, the petroloas, and I literally had a candle uh, burst uh, a two-foot flame, a little votive candle, and explode popping hot wax all over the place. We should mention that he was burning his candle. I wasn't here, so I was not a witness, but he had burned his candle very low to the very bottom. But it shouldn't have exploded like that. That it, is, it that is very odd. It was very weird, and it was too coincidental for me. You should send some I, extra good intentions out into the universe. I said, <laughs> no, 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 ma'am. No, ma'am. Not doing that. Um, <laughs> so I ceased... <laughs> that uh, that research immediately. Yes. <laughs> there you go. Will yeah. not deal with that. So, all right. Well, until next time, be sure to follow us on Instagram, the Haunted Heart Podcast on Insta. Um, we would love to hear from you. DM us, uh-huh. message us. I'm Actually, looking, that's the same thing. I'm looking for a good DM. Mm-hmm. Slide, Slide into those in DMs, honey. DMs, please. You guys. Um, leave us comments. Um, subscribe, r- subscribe, to us. subscribe, 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 rate, review. Um, new episodes every Wednesday, so be sure that you subscribe and don't miss one. Um, tell a friend. Yeah, definitely. Definitely, definitely tell a friend. Pick up the. Actually, you know what? Pick up the phone. Use it as an actual phone, 1990s style. Dial a friend's number or look them up in your contacts because nobody knows anybody's phone number anymore. And just say, hey, how you doing? Wanted to tell you about this cool uh-huh. new podcast that I'm listening to. And it's called The Haunted Heart Podcast. Exactly. And you should listen to. And subscribe. And subscribe. Or you're subscribed, right, Katie? And rate and review. Um, <laughs> wait, wait, no. I'm pretty sure I'm sub- Hang on. Let me just check. I'm pretty sure I'm subscribed. What the fuck? This is episode four. Let me just... What? I'm, I'm certain that I'm subscribed. Let me just get You cannot more. not be subscribed to our um, to our own podcast. The Haunted Heart. It's loading. Please hold. Uh, yes, I'm totally subscribed. Okay. okay, we're cool. Okay. I'm going to rate us too while I'm here. I'm going to give us a five-star rating. Put review, us a five-star down. Yes. And I'm going to say, I think we're funny. We are amazing. <laughs> All right, you guys. Until next time. Yes, until next time. Stay creepy. Stay creepy. And don't practice voodoo. Yeah, don't.